Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I want to tell you about some books that are being released this week. Um, I ask everyone to send me their listings for the week, and hey, I take all comers. Um, The first one I want to talk about is um, Lou Burney put out a new book, and I think you're going to love it. He's going to be my guest pretty soon. Um, His book is called November Road. Then Deborah Webb, dear Deborah Webb, has a new book out called The Dead Girl. Charlene Harris actually released a new book called An Easy Death. Don't ask me what it is with death and everything. My guest after my next guest on this show, Matthew Harrell has Farrell has his new book out, What Have You Done? Jody Picole, for those of you who like her, um, have a new has a new book called A Spark of Light. And then there is a very interesting dystopian novel by Neil and Jared uh, Schusterman called Dry. I've ordered it. Hopefully they'll come on the show. And Lisa Unger released Under My Skin. Uh, with that, I'd like to tell you about my guest today. This is um, a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I generally don't talk to um, children's book authors, not because I don't like kids, but because my kids are grown. Although now I have grandkids. Cole Williams uh, describes herself as an arrow-slinging idealist. I love this. An advocate for critical thinking and curiosity. An all-or-nothing type of a girl. A, my, a gold miner for truth. She passionately supports emerging artists, uh, randomly writing her own words. She stands for water and for the river. She plants seeds of inspiration wherever she goes. Um, She has a book right now called Dr. Brainchild and Radar, A Popcorn Discovery. I'm thrilled to welcome to Authors on the Air, Cole Williams. Cole, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, I loved reading your bio. Um, there's so much about you that's so interesting, but I particularly like the way you describe yourself. You kind of sound like a free spirit, but a free spirit who really wants to inspire kids by all kinds of different things. Tell me how you came to this attitude and how your life shaped who you are today. Wow, great first question. And you nailed it. Absolutely. I am a free spirit. I look at the world with an eye of curiosity. I think things are beautiful and novel. And so bridge that with science and study, because at the heart of being a scientist, you're always asking questions. And it's like the freedom to explore and be curious. And so I always have one foot in the wonder and another foot in the why and kind of how can I weave those together to deliver a story? It is interesting to me that, that you're so fascinated by science because is it not true that you really don't ever have an answer? You just have more whys when you are study science and things science related. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is true, and that's why I love it, because there's no end to discovery, and there's no end to asking questions, and you can ask any question and explore to infinity. That might be daunting, but it also, to me, is is freeing in what I want to research and write about and, um, you know, think about and share with people. 
Yeah, I can I can feel that when I you know I t- mentioned to you in the green room I read your book before I sent it over to my grandkids and um, I like the fact that you ask a lot of why questions and um, because when you get one answer it inevitably leads to another question which is really the fun part but it's also um, Dr. Brainchild and Radar a popcorn discovery is. Um, really a lot about creativity and, and crazy inventions and um, transferring things I think that are mundane into something extraordinary. Is that, does that sound about right? Have I said it the right way? Yes, correct. And if you want to get down to brass tacks real quick, I feel like science has a bad rap often. It's often looked at as a hard science and people turn away quick and I'm just inspired to kind of break that down and re-deliver it in a new way that makes it fun and approachable and bringing the creative side of science out and bringing the you know if you want to grow up to be a scientist all it really takes is being curious in something and to hold on to that and not let it go and let that drive your career or um, your education and let, let that lead you. And I think people misconstrue what a scientist is. They think a scientist has to be stuffy or professional or just only objective. And I couldn't disagree more. Well, science is subjective, isn't it? So what's interesting with some of the projects I take on is Dr. Brainchild is a a historical tale. It follows um, Percy Spencer, a physicist from the United States, and it follows his uh, actual experiments almost to a T. These are real-life things that happened, and I wrote it into the story, um, and I used the terms and the correct dates and the correct, you know, terminology, but then I add on the subjective fictionalized coding (laughs) so it can be, um, you know, approachable for this younger audience. Um, You really don't have an age for your book um, because I think it, even though it's geared maybe to younger kids, um, this probably, this book probably can be enjoyed by pretty much a lot of different kind of ages of children. Don't you think? I love that you said that. I actually am very apprehensive to name an age, age range for this story. You can put it in the, you know, word document and look at what the age range is for what words I used. But I like to think that this book can be really be for anybody that is interested um, learning about science and so it's written at the picture book level six to nine years old but I've had all sorts of different people all sorts of different ages enjoy my stories because it's something they've just never thought about or looked into before so I've had grown adults and grandparents be like this was wonderful um Cole talk about your background please and what brought you to science and and books Sure. My background originally was in writing. I spent a lot of my childhood and upbringing going to writing competitions, especially in poetry. I went to college for science. Um, I went to the Galapagos Islands for a project my senior year, studied hard sciences, 
and went right into laboratory research on uh, working, publishing academic, academically and working in different laboratories um, at all sorts of different laboratories, academic, worked for the government. Um, as I was working through those different labs, I had this like feeling like I just kept wanting to share in a different way, in a creative way. And so after a while, I decided to take a break from the laboratory jobs and take all of my knowledge and love of the stories and share them with different audiences. And I decided to target and share with children because I have children, but also because I think it's very important to share at a very, very young age yes. these, these stories. And the reason is because that apprehension and that what we tell ourselves we know uh, really young. I was actually shocked at how young I started hearing, I don't do that. I'm not good at that. And so I want to find the young kids and show, show them that this is enjoyable, enjoyable and approachable for them. It also feeds into a child's curiosity too. If you can get them interested in an early um, and, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want this to sound bad, but we need to have girls in STEM programs too, you know, and the, the way you've kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, they're just are not, Absolutely. Although, although, although the, uh, a female scientist won a huge Nobel prize for her work with lasers, by the way, in case you yes. know well, yes. that, uh, I, I was thrilled yes, I just about shared that. that. Yes. Me too. I, I was really happy. I was really happy about that. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that you're right. When kids are, are curious about everything and they're always saying, you know, what if or what is or what is that? You know, they have those books that, that supposedly answer all the questions kids ask. But, yeah. um, but you know, if you get kids in, with hands-on projects, I think that grows their interest just as much as asking questions and having parents answer, sometimes not correctly. Do you agree? I do too. I do. And yeah. I like, this is how I like to describe it. Who doesn't like art? And then I ask myself, well, why does everybody love art? Most people love art. My son doesn't. But the reason is because when you go into art, you have your hands dirty. You're having three-dimensional relationship with the muse. You get to cut and you get to like, you know, make a mess. And then when you go to sciences, like you said, you get to pick up a book and it says light. What is light? You know, right? <laughs> how, you know, and that's, that can be not how people accept the information. What if we started teaching science how we teach art? And labs are one way to do it. But what if we took out the stress of passing a laboratory exam and still made it fun? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember as a kid, and I went to a parochial school, so um, we, we kind of had a little bit of everything. And um, But I remember in our classroom, we had like an ant farm. We had telescopes. We had microscopes and things like that. And uh, had I think had I probably been encouraged, I would have enjoyed it because later on I learned the sciences for my profession other than being a radio talk show host. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it was really important to me. I always had an interest in the stars and not mm -hmm. as, not astrology, but astronomy. And 
I kind of wish that I had been encouraged to do that. And I, you know, when you're talking about the stuffy professorial looking scientist, it kind of reminds me of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is anything but, and um, I I almost understand him when he talks almost, you know, he he talks anything (laughs) quantum and I'm lost. I don't get quantum anything, but, 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 but he at least makes it sound interesting to me. So, you know, I'm a big fan yeah. of um, uh, Sci-Fi Friday on on NPR. You know, I, I really like me listening too. to that show. So, um, me too. so let's let's talk about some of your other books because Doctor sure. Brainchild and Radar is not your first. You have other books out, and one is called you. It's Eukaira. Is that the the pronunciation of it? Yeah, that is you. That's Eukaria. Eukaria. Okay. So tell me about that book. You see that I'm learning every day, every day. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, Eukaria is a science term, and that is the domain that stands for all living things. And then underneath Eukaria would be kingdoms. And so introducing, again, the science term, and then the book is working your way through all of the kingdoms and finding out what animals and what organisms belong to each classification. And then also teaches, yes, and it has a little lesson in taxonomy, and it's a fun, very colorful way to, like, work your way through the, the whole world of living things. Oh, it sounds fascinating. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna yeah. have to go buy that book for my grandkids because I really like that a lot. <laughs> I like that you use the scientific word and then you use also the more of a natural word, world word like kingdom, and that makes sense to me. You also yeah. have a very special little book called Charlie: A Child's Tale of Grief, Loss, and Love which is a little bit different um, than what you're mm-hmm. doing with Eukaira and with Dr. Brainchild. Tell me why you wrote this book. Charlie was a story that came straight from my heart. I like to say that Charlie wrote itself. It was one of those projects where you are in love with it because it just it created itself and fell on the page, and I just went with it. Um, Charlie is a story about a fictional story about a child who loses his uncle, his favorite family relative. And it's about all of the stages that Charlie goes through to work through the grief and how he um, accepts the death and loss in his family. And, and then at the end, I have expert family counselors who wrote a guide on how to work with children experiencing a grief situation and so wow. much to my surprise, which I'm not an expert, which is why I brought Michelle in, it's not always talking, you know, it might be through coloring or it might be through music. Yes. And so it's finding at their level how to approach the subject. Yeah, um, I think that's a really tough one. Um, one of the things I do is work as a victim advocate. And, um, mm-hmm. and I remember being uh, counseling a family of a homicide, the father was murdered and the son had a really difficult time. He was about five years old understanding what happened. And the family was really didn't know what to say to him. And I just said, well, let's talk, tell him what happened and explain it and let him know he's going to have all these different emotions. And um, I really wish I had had a guide like that because I really acted out of my gut 
but my gut told me yeah. I was right on that. You know, Cole, I'm not sure that I was, but um, he, he seemed to be ready to talk to me when he, and had questions that I answered for him, honestly, you know, and then we, yeah. we got him to a regular counselor, but, but being truthful, I think is really important when you're doing childhood grief, don't you? I agree. And I applaud your work because that's not an easy field to work within, but right. I think overall you have to, I, this story came because people were dealing with this issue and they didn't have resources. And then I talked to the right. counselors and, and they, you know, said, we also don't have resources for this. We have one book that we use for every single situation. It'd be great if we had something else that we could share. And I think, be honest about it. Say this person, you know, has died. Here's how we're going to handle the situation. I think children can handle it. I think they're relieved from knowing the truth. And then it's, I feel like you have to even revisit that as they grow through developmental stages. It's important to revisit and see, are they processing it still or in a different way? And I, all yeah, of my books really, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to help. At, at some level, trying to add something that is useful and helpful. Yeah, I um, I know that, you know, trauma bonds to the brain pretty fast. And um, unless it's you, you unpack that trauma and it's, um, it, it kind of stays there. And you can stay in a good way or it can stay in a bad way. So I think right. that's a really important book. Um, congratulations on doing that. And I'm sure you've helped a lot of people with it. Um, fascinating Thank you so to much. me. Thank Tell me you. what Those you're are the best on letters now. to get. Yes, <laughs> I bet they are. Now you have another book called "Here the River Damned," and that's D A M M E D, poems from the edge of Mississippi. So you mentioned that earlier that you were a poet, also. Um, this is about conservation, though, isn't it? It is. Yes, that's correct. I used poetry in a, a collection that follows the seasons, but it is sandwiched in between how to help your own water, how to get involved with your natural resources at different steps. Yep. Wow. Wow. You know, um, in, in uh, Southwest Florida, we're having a crisis right now with, with a, a red bloom. And then we have a, a blue yeah, algae uh, also that's, yeah, it's killing off all of our sea life. And, um, from just toxic water, and it's an unfortunate. So uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by that and fascinated also by the efforts being made through, you know, just everyday people trying to do something to, to make it better. And I don't know that it's going to work, but I'm hopeful that, that resources will be dedicated to not just researching it, but actually doing something. You know, because because it's I, great to research it, but there comes a time when you have to say, okay, we've got this information. Let's do this. Don't you agree? Yeah, time to time to move, time to go. And right, I think the critical piece is realizing that you only have to be aware. Once you're aware, you can get involved. You can do things, and you pick the level. You pick your involvement. But there's there's right. water and the earth that needs you right now everywhere, and it's right. just becoming and that was my muse for the Mississippi book I drove over that bridge over that river for 25 years and finally I'm like I'm going to stop and I'm going to actually get to know this river and what it means 
and now I'm just committed to doing that, but now I'm learning what the next river is and the next community that might need a little help. Is it true that um, potable water is one of our world's greatest shrinking resources? Some people would argue that potable water is going to be the number one threat to our survival. Some people argue that it already is, but it's just not brought attention to um, dire enough. Like we're not paying enough attention to the fact that the world doesn't have drinkable water for so many people, something we take for granted. uh, And they think that it's going to get much worse. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, we have an aging infra- infrastructure and uh, system in this country alone. Never mind looking every place else, because I think we're probably lucky. There are a lot of places that, you know, turn on their water only for half the day or something. So um, even with the aging infrastructure, that is creating problems in our own country. Um, how do you suggest that children? and their parents, and adults even without children, approach science so that it makes sense in their life? This is what I would say. I would say go get a box, fill it with a bunch of miscellaneous things, always have it available for your child to explore and create on their own. Take time to be silent. Take time to stop if you see an interesting place and explore it. Create questions together. Maybe buy something from the thrift store and allow your child to take it apart. If you get to the inner working of a microwave, you'll discover the magnetron, and then maybe you might become interested in a vacuum tube, and maybe you'll discover a new way to use lasers and become Dr. Donna Strickland. (laughs) Right. So, you know, winning a Nobel. It's all about not shutting down that interest to explore. And put your damn cell phone down for crying out loud, you know. Unless yes, you want to get yes. your kid, go get go get you you know broken cell phones, or go ask somebody <laughs> for their cell phones they're no longer using, and let your kid t- take them apart, you know. I, I mean that's a really <laughs> great idea though. I never thought about that. Go to the thrift store and get all these different items, and let your child play with them, even if it's fabric that they pull apart the way a fabric is made or an item is made. Um, all of it, 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 it uh, sparks all kinds of, of things going on in the brain too, doesn't it? Yes. And I would add on maybe if you see an interest or you help them create something like even for Dr. Brainchild, I was exploding eggs in my microwave at different temperatures. <laughs> so I could describe that sound perfectly. <laughs> I waited till no one was home and I exploded scrambled eggs. But make oh sure God. you tie in kind of a, tie in a lesson, tie in like, here's fabric. Well, let's learn about fabric, where it's made, how we get it, and keep, keep it fueling, keep it going. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, you've given me a lot of really great ideas for when I go see my grandkids. My daughter's going to kill me, but you know, <laughs> next time I see <laughs> her, like, here's your a, box of stuff. Here's your box of junk that I got from the store. <laughs> Let's play with it. But but kids are curious, and that's you're you know you're right. You got to get them when they're young, and 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 introduce them to all kinds of things. Uh, so <laughs> fascinating. Tell everybody where they can find you on, on the webs and in social media, please. Sure. My website is 
wwwwilliams.com. I'm on all of the social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, with an author page. And I have a book baby page dedicated to Dr. Brainchild as well. Oh, fantastic. Cole, I've so enjoyed our conversation. I've learned so much from you in just a short period of time. Thank you so much for being my guest today. And the next book you write, will you come back again? Because I'm fascinated by what you have to say. I would love to. I would love to. And I wish we had all day to talk. It was great talking with you as well. Thank you so much, Cole Williams. Um, Go and check out her new book, Dr. Brainchild and Radar. Um, It is a fantastic kids book. My grands have it right now. And um, I'm going to get um, the other book too, because I want them to know about the kingdoms. I don't want them to be stuck behind electronics unless they're learning how to invent them. And I am going to go to the thrift store and do that. That's a great idea. I love that. Thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom and your great book, Cole, and have a great afternoon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's my show for 4 o'clock. I'll be back at 5 with author Matthew Farrell. Um, Thanks for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. (laughs) 